It's The Good Girl. It's Have It All Feminist Mythology by putting women or painting this picture that women can have it all. We just got to lean in and charge the boardroom, break the glass ceiling. It's possible to have it all and do it all. And that's a really unrealistic picture that we've painted that sets us up for failure. Welcome to Dear Human Resources, a show about HR topics and current trends. Our guests are practitioners and researchers who share their in-depth knowledge and experience with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources. I'm your host, Marilyn Germain, and on the show today, we are going to talk about women's careers and resigning with Sarah McElroy, an ex-chief marketing officer the Wall Street Journal's poster girl for pandemic career burnout, and a two-time member of the Great Resignation, class of 2021 and 2022. Sarah is a journalist and founder of the Raise to Rise Project, a movement aimed at amplifying the powerful voices of women from the Great Resignation. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much, Marie-Lynn. Great to be here. The past Two years have brought unprecedented challenges for female professionals, including increased stress and pressure to juggle responsibilities at work, but also at home, and higher levels of burnout compared to men, and lack of childcare, and so on. So as a result, the number of women actively wanting to quit their jobs has reached an all-time high. And in fact, the consulting firm Deloitte has recently released the results of a survey of 5,000 working women. And the results show that more than half of them want to quit their jobs within the next two years, and only 10% of them plan to remain with their current employer for more than five years. And 53 of the women surveyed report feeling more stressed than last year and another 40% say that burnout is the main driver in their search for change. Millions of women have quit their jobs since 2020, and you say that it's mainly women who did. Why do you think it's mostly women? You know, Marie-Lynn, I think you set up that question perfectly in what you said during the introduction. The past two plus years have been extremely difficult for everyone as we've experienced this collective trauma that is the pandemic, but it has been especially tough for women and especially those who are juggling being working professionals and also bearing the bulk of the responsibility of childcare, housework, things like that at home. McKinsey and Lean In publishes a Women in the Workplace report annually, and they found at the end of 2020 that women were spending on average an additional three hours a day in what could be considered unpaid labor. And so that's labor related to household chores or housework and taking care of kids, virtual schooling, things like that. And so all of a sudden we're seeing that women are not only balancing all of their professional responsibilities, but they're seeing an uptick in the work that's being done at home. Then you fast forward one year and the study is released again, and they find that number has held true. Women are still spending an additional three hours per day in work at home. 
And they are three times more likely than male counterparts in the home to be taking on those responsibilities, with the net result being that more than 50% of women are talking about being burned out and having poor or very poor mental health. And one in three are considering downshifting their careers or leaving the workplace entirely. So it's been really this like perfect storm of these factors at play. We saw our safety nets during the pandemic really fall out with childcare facilities closing, schools closing. We're not able to see as many of our family members and friends who may have helped to pick up slack with some of the work that's needed to keep a household running. So it's just been this really crazy time where we've seen the frailties in our system that were not exposed when we were all kind of keeping the wheels going and turning every single week after week pre-shutdown. But then once we saw the shutdown, it was like, wow, maybe we don't have everything figured out and maybe we aren't supporting women in the ways that they really need to be supported. So you believe that the great resignation is actually representative of a much larger movement at hand in which women are shifting how they approach their careers. What do you mean by that? Great question. Well, the first part of it is related to these factors that are keeping us stuck, burnt out, and really discontent at work with all of this extra pressure and balancing the professional and home life. Like I mentioned, that is definitely a part of this movement and right-sizing our careers and our lives pre-pandemic, it was really how does our life, especially our personal life, how does that fit into our career versus the other way around? So many women are starting to say, I need to be able to be a whole human personal life and professional and that professional can't just take precedent. So that's certainly part of it. But I think even beyond that, what we're seeing is that a lot of women in this sort of collective awakening that has happened, they are coming back to themselves and starting to ask really important questions that perhaps they've never asked themselves related to work. And is this job that I'm doing, is this something that I actually want to do? Is this fulfilling me? Is this the lifestyle that I want to lead? Are these the right hours for me? And so I think what the pandemic has given us is this sort of carte blanche permission to explore those questions when before it was like you just kind of followed the deeply carved ruts of those who had gone before us. Like you are meant to go to school, get the good job, follow it and follow that path and, you know, chase bigger titles and heftier paychecks. And that's supposed to lead to safety and security and career bliss. And none of us really stop to ask, what does that actually mean? And is that sort of prescribed path that is very linear in nature and doesn't allow for much of the kind of the messiness that is being a human with changing seasons of life? We, you know, didn't get to really, really have a chance to question that and determine what we would actually want to have for our career. So I think women full scale are beginning to re-architect their careers in a way that fits for them on a very personal level versus what they've been told they should do. Do you think this is more applicable to women who perhaps are millennials and Gen Z, or do you also see women questioning their careers that are perhaps older, you, you know, baby boomers and, and who are just about retired now, but and, and Gen X? 
It's been an amazing thing, whereas it really did start with like Gen Z, TikTok generation. People are hopping on and talking about quitting their job or even like filming themselves while they're doing it. I mean, that is like a whole different level than anything that we'd seen in the workforce before. And I think it was more comfortable for Gen Z and then the millennials as well. But what we've seen too is that whereas those age groups were really leading the great resignation at the forefront in 2022. We've seen that more Gen Xers and baby boomers are a part of it as well. And from my own personal research, I've been interviewing women around the globe who have been a part of the the great resignation or have even taken bold career leaps before to try and understand really what is happening, what's motivating all of us to look at work differently now. And I have found really, it doesn't matter the age. It's much more of a, of a mindset that seems to be seeping into the zeitgeist where we are starting to think differently. So that's women, I've interviewed women in their 60s and their 50s, and then women in their 20s. And it's been really fascinating to see that there is a red thread that is running through all of these interviews. That is fascinating indeed. Now, why do you think we stay too long in jobs we're miserable in? And and why do you say that this has similar dynamics to staying in a toxic relationship? Well, on the front end, I'll start with the kind of the whys and the factors at play here. From the conversations that I've had with women, I really believe there are three main roadblocks for us. The first is good old-fashioned fear and fear of the unknown, fear of money, uncertainty, uh, lack of confidence, kind of anything that rolls up into the fear bucket. Fear can show up in so many different ways because we are biologically hardwired to seek stasis and our brains our fear is a, a byproduct of keeping us safe. And so we know that that's a major factor for women when we're considering whether or not we're going to leave. Then it really uh, is all about conditioning. And women have been raised, especially here in the States, and I know in other parts of the globe too, but this idea of the good girl conditioning is really insidious. And women being expected to be obedient and loyal and quiet and not rock the boat, put others' needs first, don't think about your needs until everybody else has been taken care of. The roots of that, while we have overcome a lot from an equality standpoint, they're, they're still undercurrents that run through. We can feel a lot of those good girl pressures. Honestly, that's what I say about myself is that I was the corporate good girl until I had my back-to-back resignation. So I think that can really keep us stuck as far as what we think we're allowed to do. Um, hard to give ourselves permission sometimes to be able to walk away when something isn't work for, working for us. And then the third piece that keeps us stuck is really limitations on our biology. And I I like to say both mind and body in that from a mind standpoint, we know that our, our minds are these brilliant personal computers running our lives, but they are limited in their capability. And so we can have cognitive biases that keep us stuck. Like for example, sunk cost fallacy. Oh, I'm here. I've invested all this time. Maybe a promotion's around the corner. I just have to stick it out. So we can actually get stuck in our own sort of mental loops and biases, and that can hold us back. But biologically, too, I had a fascinating interview with a doctor actually just yesterday, and she was talking about how when we're in toxic situations or stressful situations, our bodies are so 
incredible that we begin to adapt. And so as we're adapting to the higher levels of stress, we're almost getting that sort of that frog in a boiling pot phenomenon that's starting to happen where we don't even notice just how bad the toll has gotten on our health and on our on our body and our stress levels until it's like a sound the alarm kind of a moment. She was saying that's why heart disease, for example, and like heart related issues that are tied to stress are known as a silent killer. So there's many flat factors at play that can keep us stuck. So that covers kind of the first part of it, but it can really become like a toxic relationship in that there can be this downward spiral that happens. And so when we start to see that our health is being impacted, we're feeling tired, disengaged, disillusioned. We're starting perhaps to see health symptoms crop up. Our world will become smaller when we react to that, to conserve energy, to show up in the more stressful situation. And we can start to lose our confidence that way too. And you get stuck thinking like, I can't make a move. I'm here. I have to make this work. And it can be a really, again, it's like a limitation of our brain thinking that we we have to make something work or have to fix it or just have to figure it out and tough it out. And it can be really hard to say, I'm going to let it go. I don't need to put myself through this. I think part of it too is like here in the States, the really that American ideal of pick yourself up by the bootstraps and like we just work hard and do what we need to do and you just sort of suck it up. Like that can be really hard to overcome as well and feel like you have to stay in a toxic situation because other people have have it worse or you know things like that we just can be our own worst enemies in our brains sometimes that's true how do you know when you've reached the point that your job is taking more than it's giving yes this is this is that million dollar question of how do you know you've reached that tipping point you know, I, I come back to the body with this. And I think that is a, the really amazing thing that many of the women I've interviewed have noticed that our bodies will tell us when something is wrong. And when we don't listen, we will eventually see our bodies are shooting up flares to tell us that we have to make a change. Now, for me personally, this was when uh, for my first great resignation move, I was a chief marketing officer and I was balancing both the demands of this job. I'm a first time C-suite leader and I'm the youngest person on the executive team. And frankly, I'm in this culture that's pretty toxic and there's like lying and backstabbing amongst the executive team. And it's like, I just... I've got to, I can't be weak. I've got to show up. I've got to prove myself. I know I can prove that I'm worthy of this job. So I'm doing that. And then I'm juggling this executive MBA program at the same time and working up to 20 hours a day between the two to make, you know, make it all happen. And it wasn't, you know, 20 hours a day every single day, but it was really unsustainable. And ultimately I had a couple of episodes of throwing up blood that landed me in the ER but I felt like I just had to keep pushing, make it past graduation and everything would be okay. But eventually I ended up being diagnosed with shingles and I'm in the doctor's office and the doctor tells me, Sarah, you have shingles. And I just, I am overjoyed. I had this like unbelievable wave of relief wash over me when I'm getting this diagnosis that 
you know, it's an illness that could potentially lead to at its worst, like blindness and paralysis and things. And I'm excited for it because this Mm. is a 10 day socially acceptable break, like permission to rest fully and no one can say anything about it. You know, no one at work can object and I can just stop. And so like, that was my big wake up call moment. I need to leave and do something like my body is screaming at me to stop. And I've heard similar stories from other women where uh, another woman I interviewed, she had a kidney issue that landed her in the hospital and she ended up leaving her role and starting her own business. And since then has actually not even had any kidney issues. So she almost feels like it was a little bit of kind of like just her body or kind of a divine like message of like, Tiffany, you've got to stop what you're doing in that it didn't even seem to have like a long-term biological impact, which is just so fascinating. So that's when you know you need to make a change is really when like your body is telling you, you've got the stress, you're irritable at home, you're not happy anymore, you're dreaming of other things, like you know when it's time to go. Sure, but some women can afford it, right? They are raising a family, they have an essential job or role within the family. They might even be the breadwinners. That is what I love from the conversations with women that I've had for Raise to Rise is that you hear or you heard pre-pandemic, and I guess now actually more so on the other side, all of these, there's people on the internet telling you all the time, quit your job and start a six-figure business tomorrow. And that's not what this is about, at least in my opinion. What this is about is is women intentionally and consciously architecting their careers in a way that works for them. So this is not about knee-jerk, quit tomorrow, start your own business. Everybody has to become an entrepreneur. This is more about women getting in touch with themselves and really starting to understand what they want, what they need, and what's important for them in their lifestyle and taking care of families or other responsibilities, and then starting to design a career or an approach to a career and and following that path that will fulfill as many of those elements as is possible. I was fascinated when I'm speaking with women and the most common thread that I didn't see coming was actually that women spoke of just coming to a point of knowing when it was time to leave their jobs. Like I just knew. Now, some women also did things like did uh, budget spreadsheets or financial plans or pro-con lists if they were weighing uh, another corporate job, for example. But ultimately, those mental gymnastics were not the deciding factor for women deciding to walk away. It was just this like gut knowing. And I was just so floored because I have always been of that uh, school of thought that is like pragmatism and logic and mental prowess rule work and in career decisions. And like, that is how you should be approaching these things. But what we're coming to find that the great resignation is actually this grassroots woman movement of women reclaiming more of that like gut instinct, that intuitive knowing when it comes to work and careers in such a way that it allows them to make different choices moving forward so that they can take care of their families You're not just quitting, not totally walking away, but you're able to make decisions with intention. It just, to me, women in the workplace, 
which workplaces have been historically designed by men for men to fit their needs. And we were kind of just slotted in. If you look back at least at history here in the States, it wasn't even until 1972 with the Equal Rights Amendment that we had the same sort of equal protection under the law as men in the workplace intuition and kind of like the more feminine leadership qualities and capabilities, empathy, uh, kind of like anything within that EQ realm, we've had to tone down in a lot of ways because the workplace is so cerebral. So I just love that women are coming back and harnessing a part of themselves that is an incredible strength that is actually biologically based in how our brains are built a bit differently than men. And we are, we're taking hold and reclaiming that capability and that power as part of this, this sea change we're seeing in the workforce. Sarah, tell us about the quit readiness quiz that you created and, and tell us how it works. So on my website, I have a quit readiness quiz, and this is a chance for you to, to just kind of test out the waters and see where you might be with quitting. Now, I think the, the thing that people might have as far as a misconception related to me and, and this work is that I would just want everybody to quit tomorrow. And that is the exact opposite of what I'm recommending here. We see with the Great Resignation that there have been some surveys done this year related to organizations finding those who had left a job and now asking them, how do you feel about the move you made? Do you regret it? And anywhere, depending on the survey, anywhere between 20% and 70% of respondents are saying that they actually regret the decision which is such a, a fascinating nugget. And what it tells me is not that there's something wrong with this, this greater movement and desire to find more meaning and fulfillment and personal growth through our work. It's that we hit kind of this boiling point moment and all of a sudden, there's all of these people quitting and leaving and, and they're getting greater opportunities, bigger salaries, better titles, things like that. And we had kind of hit this point of being just fed up. I think we're now seeing that the buyer's remorse that some people might have is more related to a lack of real intention and being in touch with themselves and what they actually want from their careers than it is a... Uh, you know, sort of a referendum against this movement altogether. So that said, the quit readiness quiz is about assessing yourself and your capacity with important areas like risk-taking. What's your tolerance for risk-taking? How confident are you in making big life decisions? Do you, are you uh, harnessing the power of both logic and your more intuitive side? How long have you been thinking about quitting? Because if it's only within the last month, it may be that you need to you need to wait for a little while. It could also be like if you have a situation at work that you could talk to your boss in HR about because you really enjoy the job, but there's you know one or two things that could be addressed. It may be that it's time to have some conversations versus it's time to pull the ripcord. So it pulls in all of those different factors to start to build a picture of how close you are to being ready to quit your job. And I will say, actually, the way that that quiz is built, it it's that for most people, the, the response is like, yes, you're moving in that direction, but there's probably more work for you to do to make sure you're ready and not making a just a really reactive knee-jerk decision. 
Where can people find that quick readiness quiz you're talking about? Yes. So the quick readiness quiz is on raisetorise.com. You can find it there along with some of the stories from women that I've interviewed from the Great Resignation. I'm also going to be adding more content from other women who made leaps pre-Great Resignation and women who are experts in these different areas related to career and life decisions and kind of all of those things. Because what I've come to find is that while the Great Resignation is like, it's it's kind of the tip of the spear and like it's what we what we see now, this has been a movement that has been uh, in the making and kind of like there's been an undercurrent that's been running for years, but like the pandemic was really the catalyst that uh, that pushed a lot of women to make that move and gave us permission to do so. So other than taking the quit readiness quiz, how should someone prepare for quitting a job? So this goes back to that piece around that intentionality and conscious career architecting or designing that I mentioned that I think is so important. You know, it's amazing to me when we think about what we're taught related to our careers. And that is we're in our teens, we explore some options, but from from there, we're really expected to pick what is that one thing that I'm going to do for the next 40 plus years. And that's even before our prefrontal cortexes have fully developed. Like when you look at it from that standpoint, it's a pretty mind blowing thing to ask a 17 or 18 year old to be like, yes, you're going to commit to this one linear career path or job for the rest of my life. And so what this really becomes then is like when you're you're unhappy, you know you're going to need to make a move. You start to be really thoughtful and intentional around what that next place is going to be. Like It also could be that it's not just a matter of moving a job. It may be that a career change is actually what you're feeling nudged to do. Or it could be that in this season of life, it may be that it's time for you to hop off the ladder for a bit. You've got maybe young kids at home. It could be that you work part-time at a store down the street so that you have less of that, you know, taking stress home at night or work home at night and being able to spend more time with your family. So I love that it is this open invitation to get curious and ask yourself the questions of what you want, why you want those things, and to start to create a picture of that and build a plan moving in that direction. Now, the next piece of the puzzle, once you have kind of like that idea of what the ideal work is, you know, kind of that dream on paper, it becomes putting into play a psychology-friendly game plan to get you moving in that direction. And so that's really about baby steps. And that came through in a lot of the conversations that I had where you can start exploring what that next move might be. So if you if you want to stay within the same industry and same type of role, really then it becomes, you know, you're looking for companies that are really good culture and values fits for you. That's that's really what that would look like. But if you don't 100% know, that's okay. It's time to have some fun and to be be playful and explore what a new road might be for you. And it could be taking a class. It could be volunteering. It could be finding a mentor in an area that you find interesting. And you're taking these baby steps. You're not doing something that's really extreme, 
quitting, walking out tomorrow and having, you know, financial pressure, your nervous system is overwhelmed because you just pulled the rug out from under yourself. You're moving in a, an intentional, but small steps in, in a direction so that your identity and your brain is catching up with the changes that you're making along the way. So for women who want to walk away from their jobs, but have not yet, what message do you have for them? I think the most important message here is that you should first and foremost honor that feeling. You are having that feeling and that nudge for a reason. Now, I will say, going back to what I mentioned with the quit readiness quiz, is that sometimes discomfort or resistance or friction Sometimes that is there to be a guiding light to tell us that there's something to be solved or something to be faced or maybe a conflict that's not being addressed. So just because you're feeling discomfort doesn't necessarily mean, you know, again, pull the plug tomorrow. It could be like you need to work through something with that employer. But you're again, you're honoring that resistance, that discomfort. You're not ignoring it and you are really allowing that to be, you know, your truth. Because I think a lot of times as women, when we are just, we've been taught to suppress our needs, we ignore those things. Again, then they manifest in physical ways that are unhealthy. So you you start there, you honor that knowing. Now, if you realize and you've come to a place of kind of like acceptance and surrender, like this job, I'm not going to be able to change this situation, or I just am really not happy. This isn't, this work is not working for me anymore that's okay too. So it it's like, if you know you want to, and you have an idea of like, I'm going to need to get out of there. You just really are thoughtful with yourself and tapping into that more intuitive part of you to figure out what the right timing for those next steps are going to be again. So you're not throwing your life into a tailspin as you're making that move. I have one more question for you, and that's uh, surrounding a something I read uh, that you wrote. You say that you've been taught, we have been taught <laughs> a number of big lies about how to approach our careers. So I want to know what those lies are. Well, I think I, on the, the grander scale for everyone, it's like what what I was talking about related to just pick that one path for your career when you're in your teens and you're just supposed to follow that path for the next 40 plus years. And there's no really allowing for more of that like career jungle gym approach as uh, Cheryl Sandberg coined it of like, you can move and do lateral moves and different things and like different careers. There's like more ideas coming into the fold post-pandemic related to career agility and taking transferable skills and moving into a different kind of role or allowing yourself to like have a new career at different points in your life. So I think it's a, one of those lies is just that you'd have to pick something and stick to it for the next 40 plus years. Now that's for men and women, but when it comes to women, the three big lies related to us are uh, good girl. Like we've got to show up as the good girl at work and we'll be rewarded for that. That's pretty deeply entrenched in uh, a lot of the, not so so much avert these days, but in the um, kind of like subversive messaging that we get as women when we're growing up, especially like the way we're rewarded in school. And then we're just expected to show up in the same way in the workplace. But it's it's the good girl. It's 
have it all feminist mythology, which is that idea it really actually came from Cheryl Sandberg's lean in book where, you know, career jungle gym is a, is a super concept that she brought to bear in the piece of literature. But a lot of people now are looking back on that book and saying like, she did a lot of damage by putting women or painting this picture that women can have it all. We just got to lean in and, charged the boardroom, break the glass ceiling, it's possible to have it all and do it all. And that's a really unrealistic picture that we've painted that sets us up for failure. It doesn't allow us to be messy humans and allow us to like rest and just be human beings and not human doings all the time. And then the third piece of that puzzle is the idea that we should just be grateful to have a seat at the table. And so this is that idea that like our foremothers fought for us to have a chance to be in the workplace and not just to be in the workplace, but to have a seat at the executive level or for women of color to to be. I, I spoke with a woman who was a lawyer and she uh, was the daughter of Chinese immigrants. And so she's like there the table with all of these high powered lawyers and she's one herself. And she's feeling almost this guilt of walking away from this career that is so coveted by many because she's like, it's not actually what I want, but I feel like I'm supposed to be grateful that I'm here. And so when you add all, all of those together, the good girl having it all, who's just grateful to have a seat at the table, that's like an Oscar worthy acting role to play. And so I think each one of those have created these kind of like these lies that we bought into that we can, we can let go of now. We know they're unrealistic. They're unnecessary. We can let go and start to design careers that really work for us as women on an individual level, rather than taking what others think we should, and I'm doing air quotes for that, what we should do. Thank you, Sarah, for your insights on women's careers and on resigning. Thank you, Marie Lynn. Support for this show comes from Western Carolina University, a campus of the University of North Carolina system with the technical assistance of Kelly Minnis.